0: Dr. Joe Mott earned his PhD at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write 3 math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott.
1: Hello to everyone. Welcome to the program. In the last episode, I began a series on the topic of the will of God. We return to that topic again today. I need to fill in a few chinks with mortar and lay some more bricks in the wall I am building. Most Christians say on occasions, I'd like to know God's will for me regarding this particular situation. Is such knowledge possible? Does God want Christians to know his will? The answer is yes. Indeed, the Apostle Paul taught that we can discern the will of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says very clearly, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In the most basic sense, that is why God has given us his word, the Bible. Furthermore, obedience hinges on knowledge. How can anyone obey him if we don't know what he wants us to do? The Bible reveals God's general will for us and his will regarding certain specific matters, such as loving others, speaking the truth in love, maintaining sexual purity, being filled with the Spirit, etc., in any given situation, we should first determine whether or not the Bible addresses either specifically or in principle the issue that concerns us. If so, we have God's will in the matter. The website GotQuestions dot org calls this a "screen out" method, and says that God will never lead us to do something. That contradicts His Word. By consulting a Bible concordance, you can see the importance of the will of God from the frequent reference to it. In Cruden's complete concordance, for example, there is a section with the heading "Will of God." It has one reference in the Old Testament, Ezra chapter 7, verse 18 and 22 references in the New Testament to the will of God. Also, under the heading of Thy Will, there are two references in Psalm 40, verse 8, and in Psalm 143, verse 10, and four references in the New Testament. So it is clear that the will of God is one of the subjects at the very center of the experience of the Lord's people. It has to do with all our daily choices, directions, decisions, and purposes. In Psalm 143, verse 10, the psalmist prayed this prayer, Lord, teach me to do your will. Note that the psalmist did not say, teach me to understand your will. Neither did he say, help me find your will, nor reveal your will and make it manifestly clear. No, the psalmist said, teach me to do your will. In Psalm 40, verse 8, the psalmist also said, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is written in my heart. In both references in psalms, the emphasis is on doing the will of God. That carries with it the assumption that this is not a matter of information. Rather, it is a matter of obedience. The will of God brings blessings to the disciple of the Lord, but that is contingent on obedience. God said to the people of Israel, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. That can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. Joshua told the people of Israel, Choose you this day whom you will serve, We always have a choice. Jesus said in his model prayer, Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus set the example for a life devoted to doing the will of God in the garden of Gethsemane. On the night he was arrested. He was facing the horror of the cross where he knew his father would pour out his wrath on him in divine judgment as he bore the sins of all who would ever believe in him. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was totally consistent and singularly devoted to doing his father's will. Three scriptural passages in the Gospel of John will make that abundantly clear. First, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Second, I do not seek my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. Third, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, But the will of him who sent me, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise them up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That last passage can be found in John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, Stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Peter wrote, Live the rest of your time in the flesh for the will of God. The apostle John wrote in first John chapter five, verses 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. This is not a guess. Not a hope, but something we know. There are reasons for wanting to know God's will. First, our love for God. Second, our desire to glorify God. Third, Paul wrote the church at Corinth that if anyone's work which he has built in the process of ministering for God, he will receive a reward in the present And in the future. Fourth, in 1 John chapter 3 verse 22, one reason to do the will of God is the desire to please God. Fifth, Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Guidance is surely a part of God's will. Sixth, be a good example for other believers. Seventh, avoid chastisement. So we conclude Christians need to be guided and directed by a compelling desire to do the will of God. I would say that this is the most foundational and essential pursuit in Christian living, doing the will of God. Now allow me to discuss what I believe are some erroneous concepts regarding the will of God. First, throughout all my life, I have had people say that they were searching for and trying to find the will of God. That may indicate that they think that God has placed his will in some obscure place in to hide his will from them. We know that God sent his son to earth to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. So does it make sense that God would play a game of hide and seek with his children by hiding his will? Is it logical that the God who says he has a plan for each life would conceal that plan so that his purpose cannot go forward through his people. I think not. Nothing can be further from the truth. Christians making major decisions based on the faulty notion that God has a hidden will he wants them to discover could very easily lead to disastrous results, saying God told me to buy this expensive home even though it is beyond my financial ability to pay may be a rationalization to assuage one's conscience, but it also happens to be in direct contradiction to the caution in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30 about counting the cost before you commit to the project. My following God needs to be based on my relationship with Him rather than looking for a special sign. Instead of looking for some sort of spiritual clue from the Almighty, we should rely on our closeness to Him. It is certainly easier to say, I have a hunch, but it lacks the necessary depth and relationship that the Lord wants from us. We've all made those kinds of mistakes. There are some people that think the will of God is something that is undesirable. Allow me to list three items that some consider to be undesirable about the will of God. First, some interpret the will of God as something like a diet. If it doesn't look or taste good, then you can partake of it. To them, the will of God is everything that you don't want to do. You're fearful that God will send you to darkest Africa as a missionary. In other words, these people think God is a cosmic killjoy who says, if there's one person having fun, go after him and cause him grief. The thought that God wants To make our life painful and hard comes not from the Spirit of God, but from the enemy of our souls. That is not unlike the situation where Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when he said to them, has God said this? Second, there are those who think that the will of God is like a lottery ticket. Only a very few get the ticket, and if you get one, you become really blessed. But the problem is, most of us never have the opportunity for the winning ticket. Third, then there are some who think the will of God is like the very tiny dot where the crosshairs meet on a telescope of a long-distance rifle. The will of God is only that narrow and specific dot that is designed especially for you and no one else. Nothing outside of that dot comes close to the will of God. There's only one place for you to live. There's only one person for you to marry and only one career for you to have. On and on, the idea goes where there is just one this and one that. You go through life trying to connect the dots because if you miss out on any of the dots, your life is going to be off track and your life will not be satisfactory at all. Allow me to close this episode by reading a prayer and a challenge in Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. and ever.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, DougApple at Wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.